This is Joey Bland. And I'm Ross Bryant. And you are listening to Improv Nerd. That's improv, bitch. Improv, bitch. I mean, after all, you're nerds. Improv. Nerds. Improv. Nerds. Improv. Nerds. Yes, here it is. It's another episode of Improv Nerd, and I'm your host, Jimmy Corain. And i got to tell you, today's guests are incredible. They are the Improvised Shakespeare Company, and it's uh, two-time Jeopardy winner Joey Bland and Ross Bryant. And I, I have to say, before I did this interview, I was really nervous because, as you know, at the end of the show, we improvise, and I had to improvise Shakespeare. We sat down with these guys, and they couldn't have been more supportive. Uh, we talked about improv, we talked about Shakespeare, and we talked about rapping and Alex Trebek. You guys don't need this, right? <laughs> no, right at all. Okay, great. Don't worry. Yep. Okay. Um, Joe, you went to William and Mary That's right. College, uh, yep. and you were a religion major. That's right. Naturally. Now, now how, how did someone in comedy become a religion major? Well, I mean, there, it's real, there's no big story there. It was just uh, I spent most of my time in the theater department, but you had to major in something. And for some reason, I just wasn't – there was nothing appealing to me about taking, like, all the stagecraft classes. Uh-huh. Now where I am, I'm like, oh, I should, probably should have done that. That would have been great. But um, I was taking a Buddhism class at the time. It was my favorite class. And I was like, well, I'll take some more classes from this guy, and you can always change your major down the road. And I just loved the classes. It was completely impractical – impractically chosen as well. There was no idea of, like <laughs> – I always kind of wanted to be a minister. It was like nothing like that. I was just like, the classes were awesome. And now William and Mary, if you went to William and Mary, a lot of the students would then go and they would perform or act in Williamsburg. Did That's you right. ever do that? No. Okay. No. Yeah. You don't. Include... <laughs> you seem like there's a judgment about that. It's... Oh no 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 okay. no. And it was it, it, there. There was like a, there's a divide in Williamsburg. There's like there's what they call CW. Okay. Uh, which is Colonial Williamsburg, which is the tourist trap that's adjacent to the college. Okay. And um, occasionally, my wife was a was a serving wench in one of the taverns there. Okay. Um, she did work there for a long time uh, and and loved it. And I would think I would have loved it too. It never crossed my mind to do. But it, it was it was a funny thing about Williamsburg. You'll see like. A guy at the ATM with a musket over his shoulder, you uh-huh. know, that kind of stuff. Like, this guy's getting off work. Yeah. <laughs> Ross. Yes. You are an incredible rapper. You, no, I'm serious. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. You're That's wel- true. You're welcome. Right? No, he is. If he you is. Go check him out on YouTube. It's just amazing. How does this skinny white kid from North Carolina who's in, uh, goes to uh, arts, uh, arts college, mm-hmm. how does he get into rap? And do it well. I'm not talking... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to think that, that some of that response has to do with th- that it's actual quality and not just that it happens to be coming out of someone who looks like me. Um, but I, that was a real stumble into. I, I just kind of I liked rap as a, as a fan in, in high school and college a little bit. And then it was only after I started improvising and got into a show here in Chicago called The Beatbox that I actually really started to nerd out about it and, and, and like study it. And... Um, Following on the heels of that, um, being in shows like Baby Wants Candy, where I got to rap, even which is more. A, a musical, improvised musical, yeah, yeah, and then um, and then that sort of culminated last summer when I hosted a, a freestyle rap battle called Haterade, that was a real, real blast. That was a cool show, yeah. and I think too, like people think about rapping, um, 
the hang up on rapping for people is rhyming, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that Ross does well. But to to also blow his horn, uh, that's what people say, right? Blow yeah. his horn a little bit. Sure. If I could blow, if I could blow Ross's horn as well, Anytime. I think the, the thing that makes the thing that makes Ross better than just like a rhyming savant is also that like um like the best rappers have like a flow, so it doesn't sound like a guy who's doing like a exercise in rhyming. It sounds like someone who's like, yeah, this is this is like authentic and it's coming out, and that's like. That's, I think, uh, something that, like, because we've done, we've done shows together where Ross is rapped, and people, the first gasps and, like, applause, applauses don't come when he hits the first rhyme. It's, like, just the confidence and the flow of it that's, like, I think this guy's for real. Kind of, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy's coming straight out the streets. You, could you yeah. do a little rap? Or I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I am so, I, I am so not him. I just want to let you know. Uh, this yeah. was his dream, I bet. Is it? Oh, yeah. Thank no. you so much. I had no idea this was coming. I also love the request, could you do a little rap? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I could, I could give it a try, I guess. Um, yeah, do you want me to do it now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that would help. Just where audience. you are, what's going on? Uh, what do you yeah. see? Cypher it. Yeah, it's just, uh, what do I see? Yeah, can we get a beat going or something? Mm. Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, okay, beatbox? Sure, I got a beatbox. Rozell? Uh, yeah. Mm. See, that's the other thing Ross does. It's really good. It's, <laughs> okay. it's beatboxing. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joy Bland is the fat boys over here. <laughs> that's right. Rip off the page. We're freestyling here. Right on the stage. Check out. He rhymes when he talks. When he kicks it here in the Donnie Scott box. Mm. The kid is so witty, that's why he's on the top floor of the second city. Mm. You know we rhyme so tight, it's so so much that it whited out the skylight. <laughs> you know, if, if you go, if you, if you go into a trance when you do that, because I'm curious. When I walk, yeah, I don't know if you know. <laughs> my eyes are looking in different directions. Yeah. <laughs> but but there's almost like a, you know how like when you go and you play a character when you're improvising you. Is that like, is it similar, com- similar to that? Yeah, those moments I feel as improvisers that you find yourself in on stage when you're really in, in the pocket of a character and where you, where, you, where you have that sort of like mystical feeling where it's like, oh, it's speaking through me. It's, it's in control of me. It's when you're, when you're really in the zone freestyling, it's kind of the same thing because it's such an internal game that you're playing with yourself, like setting up, setting up rhymes, this weird little word game you're playing in your head that it, yeah, that it is almost like it's trancey. Combined with the uh, the outward show of it, so keeping those two balls in the air does kind of put you into some. You know, it's just a different headspace. Mm-hmm. Joey, I want to ask you about Jeopardy. Okay, <laughs> that was a tough segue. Did you know? That? <laughs> no, it felt really natural. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, you were a two-time winner. Yeah, it was uh, six years ago. Uh, yeah, give it up. Yeah, I went on Jeopardy and uh, I won two shows. Yeah. How much did you win both times? Uh, altogether, it was fifty thousand two hundred dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a set for life. No, it, it is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, like so when you win, they tape them in advance. You have to like you can't tell people that. Yeah, you won? that's right. They uh, they taped it in uh, in June or in August. Taped it in August. It aired at the end of October. I got paid in February. Um, and yeah, you, they, they threaten you sort of. They, they're like, you can't tell anybody. If we if, if we feel like you, if you if you have and we know, we can take your winnings. And if we feel like there's any uh, any repercussions that have to do with like our ratings, like if for some reason they were like, you know what, people would have watched you a third day if they thought you'd won, but you blew it, they can like sue you for damages. 
What was Alex Trebek like? I, I, he seemed very prickly. Is that? Yeah, I know. No, absolutely not. And <laughs> okay. I think, uh, I, yeah, I feel like you watch him and there's like the, that version of him where he's like always correcting pronunciations yeah. or he's like, he's like, oh, that's so sad. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, this, is, this is what's crazy is I feel like, and you don't talk to him except when you're actually doing the show, when he's actually running the, the, the game. It's not like he comes back and it's chummy or anything. But... He's super good at his job in that when I missed a question, I felt like he's very paternal where I felt like just with like little subtle things that it was like kind of a like, no, that's not right. Get him next time, kid. Uh, and this is all with eyes and, and demeanor and whatnot. But then when you got one right, you really felt like you're making Alex Trebek proud. And I, I, I mean, totally honestly, I felt like he was super warm. He's really silly during commercial breaks. He's kind of kind of campy and goofy with the audience. And Not then, a good sense of humor, like a real corny sense of humor. Dorky a little bit, but okay. also it's like he's get, he get he asks he lets the audience ask him questions, and he gets the same questions every day of his life. It's like when are you gonna go the mustache back? You know, would you be good on Jeopardy? It's like he's only gonna get those questions. So he just has fun with it. He goofs around, and it wasn't until I watched one of the episodes where uh, I missed a question, and on, upon watching it, I was like, "Whoa, what a burn!" I, like, I missed one real bad, and he was like, oh, not even close. <laughs> and I don't remember that from the taping. I wasn't like, ah. I, I just, it was a thing that I only saw on camera. So I think he's pricklier on camera. In real life, he was, he was cool. Now, a lot of improvisers, you know, they aspire to be on Jeopardy. Yeah, it's what, what was it about your improv training that helped you in Jeopardy? Uh, I, you know what? When, when you, obviously, you have to know some stuff, and you take a general knowledge test, and, uh, and you know, you do. I think I think on one hand, improvisers who are who are successful and who really love it are very open and aware people, mm-hmm. and so you you uh, whether you know it, there's a question of like what you retain or what you try to retain. But I feel like you're really interested in what's going on around you, and so that that helped. But in the process, once you've done the general knowledge, the rest of it feels like an audition. Like they put you up with buzzers, they do the interviews, and it felt extremely auditiony. Where other people were like sweating at that point, I was like, oh, I just have to talk to this guy, you know, not a big deal. And one of the guys, uh, you know, you fill out all this information about yourself. He's like, oh, I see you do improv. Do you work at Second City? And at the time, the answer was uh, no. Um, But I I would love to. And um, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, uh, I work at a place called Comedy Sports. And, um, And the guy was like, oh, I was in the original cast of Comedy Sports in Los Angeles. And immediately I was like, Nailed it. You know, it was like a really nice personal thing, and and uh, and they called me right after that. Could you do a little trivia quiz right now? (laughs) Yeah, I just need a beat. (laughs) Now, Ross, um, most people when they come to Chicago, they they want to get hired from want to get hired at Second City. There was a different group that that you wanted to get hired. And, and you're actually working with them now. What, what group was that? Can you tell us about it? Yeah, that was Baby Wants Candy. Okay. Um, and uh, that all stemmed from me coming up to visit Chicago in, in college, just as, uh, like, like I imagine, a lot of young improvisers who are in college troops kind of, like, make make the, the hajj up here. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I saw, like, my handful of shows, and I saw a Baby Wants Candy show, and to my uh, college age brain, it was the most mind blowing thing I had ever and seen. And if people don't know what Baby Wants Candy does, just tell us a little. It, uh, they improvise a full length um, musical, so a, a 45 to 60 minute musical based on a single audience suggestion of a title. And the best Baby Wants Candy shows hang together as, as, a legit, as, as a legit Broadway musical with really great singing, fun goofballs, improvised choreography, and really, really terrific, memorable like, melodies from the, from the music director. And the show I saw, like, I'd never seen anything that seemed like that, that funny and that much of an incredible skill piece combined together seemed, seemed like undoable. And I was like, my God, if I could do that, I'd be 
I know I made it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so yeah, so I I moved to Chicago with my like backward goal of like I want to be in Baby Wants Candy <laughs> and. And yeah, when I when I the, my first show, I was like, I did it! I achieved my goal. Yeah. What the Here hell I do I do now? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They've just been plateauing ever since. Now That's you, right. <laughs> now you guys coasting, <laughs> coasting, man. Well, if we ever get you know stuck, we we can always go back to rapping, right? Or That's a right. rap, as I like to say. <laughs> um, what is it like? Because you guys will do improv Shakespeare at eight o'clock. Then I don't know how you get over to the theater. Then you'll go to the Apollo Theater and you do. Uh, you know, baby wants candy, and do a musical, Im- you know, totally musical improv. How how do you do that? I mean, the shows aren't really. If you if you take away the the kind of genre lay on that uh-huh. each show has, the things that make them both work are the same. In that they're uh, shows that have that have kind of a narrative structure, but in which plot isn't forced, where the whole narrative moves forward by everyone in the cast. Um, really caring about what they're doing and having their characters pursue emotional wants throughout the show. And that sort of like heightened emotionality is what the two shows have in common. So they're both, they're both, it's, you're flexing the same muscle in that way. It just happens to be in one, you've got this crazy language lay on and in the other, you've got this bursting into song lay on. Now, Joey, were you into like musical theater and stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was. was. This one, back in high school, that was the really cool thing to be into. Um, and I was, but actually, like, when I was in high school, I was terrified of singing, but I was, uh, at all the, all the coolness of listening to a lot of musicals without any performing any. Um, and What so, is that like? You're, like, in your room and you're, yep, you uh, got a CD and, yeah. yeah get out of here, this mom. Is it, yeah, this yeah. is it. It's, like, me and my room. It was, like shut the door, come over to school, shut the door, and, like, crank Phantom up. Okay. Um, which, oh, man, I mean, it's totally true. So it was, like, I would listen to a lot of musicals. I thought they were great. I thought they were super fun. And uh, and I had a similar, I mean, I played with Baby Wants Candy as well. And, um, yeah, a similar, like, love of it, but also a love, and this is similar with the Shakespeare, too. I feel like both shows are, a, in large part, a parody of the genre that we perform in. But at the end of the day, they're also, for us, there's so much more homage. Like, we really love them, too, and we love to make fun of them at the same time. And while both seem real heady and cerebral, and even, like, you know, talking about Jeopardy and talking about Ross being, like, this rap whiz and, like, all these rhyme things, I think we get those kind of shows really uh, get pinned as, like, that's something I could never do because they're so cerebral or they're so, like, how do you keep all that stuff in your brain? But I think that's what people look at when they look at improv anyway of, like, I couldn't do that because you're thinking so fast. But you realize when you're doing really good improv – you know, or you're, you're doing fulfilling improv, you're not thinking so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's my experience is that you're not, you're not planning, you're not plotting. And that's, both of these things are, are, are uh, these things, uh, Shakespeare and Baby Wants Candy. I feel like we're also real emotional performers and I think we get touted for being really heady and I think we, we obviously have those interests but I think we also are, uh, I think we, we're good at improvising from our gut as well. Now, Ross, what drew, drew you to doing improv Shakespeare? Um, to doing improv Shakespeare, it was uh, like liking Shakespeare for one. Uh, so you have a background in Shakespeare, both of you. I wouldn't. It would might be it would reading be a, it. Yeah, yeah, reading it. It would be a stretch to say we had a background in yeah. Shakespeare. So but, we have uh, something in common. Yeah, yeah. That's but, right. We're not. I, we're, none of us are. Well, the two of us are not trained classically. Okay. In, right. In really any significant way. But everyone in the cast at least has a play under their belt. I think pretty much everybody's yeah, done one. Usually college. in college or high school, and. Uh, 
and has read a bunch of them. And as part of the rehearsal process of the show, we read a bunch of them. But before I was in the show, uh, I, I had done a play in, in college and had taken a class in college and was, and was into it. And uh, I was also in comedy sports when I moved to the city. And just, and I feel like that's how a lot of us kind of approached it, is having experienced uh, Shakespeare as, as a lay-on in like a genre game, like in a, in a short-form show, and feeling like that was a lot of fun. It would be interesting to do that for like 10 minutes instead of three. And uh, which, as we found out later on, was kind of uh, the, in the inspiration of the director of the show to do it in the first place, was to see if you could challenge a group of people to do that kind of short form skill piece to see if it could hang together and support a, a 50 minute show. You know, comedy sports, I love those people over there. I just think they're the nicest people, but they're still like that, that short form, they're like the stepchild of the improv community. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I guess that still exists. I mean, that's us too. I mean, I would say that, yeah, that we're the stepchild because I don't dissociate myself from comedy sports in any way. I don't, I don't perform there anymore. But when I was there, there was still, you got that from certain people. Um, when really the pools were so mixed, so muddied, like 90% mm -hmm. of the people I played with at comedy sports, I played at IO as well, you know? Um, and I don't know. I think part of it is like there's this feeling of, of progression, that we, especially from people who are coming through college improv. I think like anytime you talk to people who are in a college group, it's like, we do a fair amount of short form, we're working on our long form. Like, a, as a blank, a quick apology. Uh -huh. It's like, yeah, we, we do like some uh, some games, and then... Um, we are we, working on Armando. Right? Yeah, yes. we work on an Armando yeah. too, and it's like, ooh, I'd love to see our Armando. I bet it's great. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's weird. I think it, I, I mean, I... I I call bullshit on it, and it's, you're, it's, not that it, it's not that it doesn't exist, it does, and I just think it's crazy, because I think you go to a comedy sports show, you're going to see people that, you, that are extremely good at what they're doing, people that you will, you will laugh at if you take the snob brain off. Um, if the whistle bugs you at comedy sports, fair enough, uh, big deal. Um, but the improv is super solid. The same people you're laughing at there, you'd be laughing at at I.O., and they're great. And, you know, you come to... Any anytime improvisers get hired, it's like you're by like you know corporate events, whatever it is, a, a, a touring show. People respond so hard to those games. Um, you know, when you tour co at Second City, we both toured. It's like you do a bunch of great archive Second City material, and then you throw a short form game in. You know, it's like you don't throw a herald in the middle of that. And it's not because you couldn't do a herald for an audience, but it's like these are super valid and valued like performance things. And I think it's just, it, if, if the aesthetic of a short-form show isn't your thing, great. But the snobbery of it is... Yeah, it seems insane. ridiculous. I feel like, yeah, people, uh, it's, it's not cool per se. And I feel like maybe one of the reasons is short-form can reward hackery. <laughs> but you can always make the decision as a performer and the best performers at comedy sports do to not, to not rely on that, to, to yeah. play that show with the same integrity that you play any other show. Um. Speaking of show, we're, we're almost ready to, to improvise uh, yeah. this. You know, I, you guys are so great. I went back there and I said, I'm terrified because I don't know anything about Shakespeare. Yeah. And what do I need to know to do this? I think... Uh, Just the canon. This is it. Um, Just this? Okay. A few apocryphal works as well. <laughs> right. Double no. falsehood. <laughs> I mean, uh, is there any, like, archetypes that you play? I mean, of course. Oh, yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, um, we... Kings, queens, the great themes, betrayal, um, ambition, ambition, love, love, and, and everything's committed, one hundred and ten percent, all the emotions. Um, so uh, 
play emotions to the hilt, never be afraid to kill or die, okay. um, <laughs> or to kiss. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff goes. And, um, and the language aspect, which is the part that trips people up, is, uh, is just dressing on top of it. There's nothing you could – you could say it uh, as you would in 21st century um, English, and it, it could pass as Shakespeare as well. We usually don't refer to – we kind of have the idea that we set our plays in the Elizabethan time period. So uh, we're not driving cars and we're not, um, we're not watching TV, but uh, – but their gunpowder was around. Um, so, you know, like, uh, we, we kind of play it in that realm, but that, that's really it, you know? Fake, fake the language as, as much as you can and, and just, and, and do, I think, do your parody of it, of what you think it might sound like, and that probably will hit pretty nice. Ross, do I need anything else? Uh, no, I think that's, that's terrific advice, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what we do. Yeah, I am too. I am terrified. I just want to know, and I told you guys backstage, this scares me as much as... Uh, doing a Baby Wants Candy show. And people, you know, would say, oh, why don't you do Baby Wants Candy? What I, to do is, in, in, in Baby Wants Candy, you don't even have to sing well in that show. That's the no, thing I love about it. Me. It's just commitment, commitment, commitment. <laughs> you know? You do not. So yeah, that scares the hell out of me, but this thing scares me even more. So Good. I just want the audience to know that I am terrified. Good. And I will probably Lost do a lot of shame and a lot and want to kill myself which is good that's which, great yeah. those are good emotions to take yeah. use them drive them through the, through the okay, whole show great suicide is fair game too yeah uh, very very experience yeah that, I'm going to put that in my back pocket there you as go. a tool that's your <laughs> yeah. escape valve so uh-huh. if I do that in the first two minutes you guys are going to have to well, yeah, but you can always re-enter as a ghost that's right yeah <laughs> I, where does that say that yeah okay ghost ghost okay I got it alright so uh, let's uh, just push the chairs back you got it Folks, we are the Improvised Shakespeare Company. And a lot of people ask us why we're called the Improvised Shakespeare Company, and that is because everything you're about to see on this stage is improvised. It's made up on the spot. Nothing has been planned out, rehearsed, or written. All the characters are created before your eyes. All the dialogue is spoken for the very first time. And anytime you may be wondering where this story is going... We are wondering the exact same thing. So, uh, in a moment, I'll ask you for the title. I'll ask you to make up the title of a play that has never, ever been performed before. And then, for the first time in the history of the world, assuming a linear theory of time, you'll witness on the stage the opening night of that play, coincidentally also the closing night of the very same play. We'll do the whole thing using the style, the themes, and the language of the immortal bard, William Shakespeare. (laughs) And now, would anybody so moved or inspired by the gods yell out the title for this evening's very short play? The Bridge Be Burned. What is it? The Bridge Be Burned. The Bridge Be Burned. (laughs) The Bridge Be Burned. Improvised Shakespeare Company now proudly presents The The Bridge Bridge Be Burned. Of friendship lost, we speak. O muse, I evoke thee. I, I conjure thee to come forth. We shall not revoke thee. Nay, come closer, for here we are all friends. Under this roof, all hands shall make amends. Ah, but 
As thou dost list to these words that I have spoken, know that thou shalt see upon these planks a friendship almost broken. This bridge, I that once connected, now does come to wars. Those planks that once did hew together two opposing shores, now burnt asunder, and they have come to clash, where hearts run wild and decisions are most rash. Then list and attend, and prithee make amends, as these friends shall, or shall not, when our play ends. What, ho then, Antonio, you would say you do love Amelia? Yes, I do love Amelia. <laughs> but Amelia, from time immemorial to me, has been the, the answer, the echo to my heart. Thou knowest, Antonio, Amelia was laid claim to by me afore thee. Roberto, I understand that, but I desire her well before you ever did. Before? Before! I tell thee, I tell thee, when I was knit in the heavens, before there was earth, before God did speak of light, I was in her heart and she in mine. Go before that, Antonio. <laughs> Your rage is unpredictable, and what you are doing right now is acting like a little piglet that does not understand where his mother has gone, and it is your time to grow up and to suck on the sucker of that mother's bosom, for I am not going to be here anymore. Oh, where goest thou then? Thee? To her bedchamber? To woo at her? I tell thee, great Holy sow, I suckle at thy teeth of venom. I suckle at thy brace, that thy breast, thy breast of rage, fill me, fill me. For shall I see thee again before, before this day is out? If I see thee near her or before my path, I shall sheath my blade in thy breast, Antonio. And I will look forward to that day when you take out that sword and try to stud me in my loin, and I will be prepared, because I will tell you this from the bottom of my loins that are on fire, and I cannot put them out with an extinguisher of the hell Who disturbs our city streets for talk of blades and loins? I, our prince. This clash of words should shortly come to clash of arms. I shall not have sanguine rivers flow down the canals of our humble Venice. Nay, Cast thy distempered tongues back into the chambers of thy mouths. <laughs> they are things too sharp to be drawn in enmity to ones that were so lately friends. We beg thy forgiveness. Please, forgive us. We kiss, we kiss thy signet ring. Yes, the signet ring that once belonged unto a holy Roman emperor. We tell thee that our clash is not that of schoolchildren, nay, it's a clash of men, for our loins are both inflamed. <laughs> Speak not of thy poxy loins, but to the purpose. What wedge would sunder thee? I have appointment with my daughter. <laughs> thy topic comes too close to ours. Yes. <laughs> How now? I do merely pick her up, would have some conference with her. The time draws near where her green years should become less verdant and be hewn with some husbandry of marriage. Oh, speak no more of her verdancy. I tell thee this, that were our topic of ire some scaffold, and were thy daughter another, they would meet as two legs do in some unhappy 
burning crotch. <laughs> but they are the same. And I would not seek to make such a burning cleft. <laughs> but oh, look where she comes. Oh, nay. There is her. <laughs> Lady Amelia. Lady Amelia. Nay, to hear it in thy mouth is poison! Oh! I was just following what you were saying. <laughs> Benison's unto thee both. I do but walk into the, from the convent where I have sought instruction. <laughs> we have seen you as you come through the field, through the wave and the chaff and the, and the, the flowers and the birds and, the, and everything. Uh, we desire you. I do oft walk. Mid the fields and the aviary. Antonio speaks aright that here put a we to the eye that we both have seen thee, we both desire thee, and we both love thee. Oh no, what tutors are these? (laughs) Seek to teach me of countries yet unsought. (laughs) Father! Oh, let this happen. (laughs) I tell thee that my friend, as once he were, doth seek thy heart, and as I would seek for him to have happiness in all his exploits, there was a day when I would cheer him on, would play wing to him, but not this. I have severed this bond of friendship, only to hope that there would be some bond knit betwixt us. <laughs> Thou hast cast down the cables of a friendship, thus to take up some erotic charge. Nay, erotic, no. The erotic be one part of it. Aye, thou art charming of look, but I tell thee, we are bound. Some great span connects us, which has ne'er connected any afore. I speak this, I am 15, and I know it. (laughs) None has ever loved as I do. (laughs) But I thought you were giving your... Friendship up so I could be with this fair maiden. Antonio, I am perplexed. I say, I tell thee, there was a time when I would do such a thing. But I cannot. One of us this day shall die. Here, my blade unsheathed. Shall I lay it claim to thy chest as I once did promise? Shall I take my sword and stab you in the groin area? <laughs> I bid thee nay. I look in thy face, and what what seest I? I see memory of a childhood spent happily. I sp- of gambles between two boys, naked in a field. Nay, the boys are what? Speak. I, I, of this Arcadia that in youth thou hast had, thou of love has had me so lately tutored, I would not have thy blades be drawn and leave thee neutered. (laughs) Speak, speak truthfully, as you who have shared so many secrets with me, Antonio, dost thou love her? Speak not rashly! I love her more than I love the oil that comes from the loins of my pasting father who died and then rose to be a ghost. More than my father's loin oil? Yes. <laughs> this, this is a superlative gesture. I cannot outposy thee. I cannot feel more than thou dost. This paternal unguent which thou brings to mind proves thou should husband her, but I cannot live in a world without her. And so, Antonio, so... 
take her, find her happiness in some marriage bed, and know that happily did I give myself to death. Wait, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, no regret. Had all the time in the world. No, there is no time. I am out of time, out of time and out of life. Oh, Antonio, what happiness I see as I die. Happiness for thee, such happy portents of love. Oh, to die on the hilt as it is already in me. So you will die. Your death has not gone unrewarded. For I will wed this beautiful dame. And at the nuptials, we will mention you in our ceremony. Tis enough! Tis enough! Oh, it is what he would want. Yes. And thus, daughter... If thou shalt have this bond, or the corpse of he who could have been thy beloved, but nay, through our Venetian justice and the processes of elimination, thou shalt be wed off to the survivor. Tis well that thou shouldst snuff out that taper which did seek to burn down thy intent, if the maid is thine. Lady Amelia, we at the convent would ask thee to return. I, thy mother superior, would beg thee. Mother superior, only but late have I been taught of such matters of the world. This day have I learned things of marriage and of death. Oh, unhappy sight! I sanguine blood doth stain our Venetian canals crimson. Yes, oh, yes, the canals! Oh, let the Mediterranean fish pick his amorous bones. But there is blood still on my hands. I forgive thee. <laughs> it's one of the perks. <laughs> with being in charge. I pray thee that thou shouldst not have me return into my cloistered cell, where my veil and chastity would remain forever, but rather that thou shouldst join me unto this one man, who, aside from my father, is the only one that I have ever seen, and thus am sure that he is the paragon of masculinity. He is amazing. <laughs> and you, as thy heart pious, dost thou seek forgiveness for this infernal act which you have been some party to, this self-murder of a friend? I, Mother Superior, ha. My soul cannot tell you what is really going on. My words will. I am innocent from this crime that they are trying to pin me on. But one day, we shall all be anointed with that sacred groin oil. Oh, yes, of our father. Capital F. Now, here, by these stained boards, by these crimson docks, let me here make this sin aright, and let me have charge from both of thee that no more shalt thou fight, Antonio and Amelia, to the Father's oils above. <laughs> pledge thyself in infinite love. Yes, and as bonds between men so often break, here an adamant and strong bond shall thee make. And so, by the power vested in me, by my maternal superiority, <laughs> here, I tell thee, from the cloisters be spurned, but also 
never say that this bridge be burned. <laughs> Improv. Terrifying. That was... You guys made it easy. You really did. Um, the language, I, I, it was really hard not to, you know, like, do the language. Um, for me, it was. Uh, how, how did we do, do you think, if we came back after a show and we said, okay, how, how would we have assessed this? I feel like our assessments post-show are always like... Uh, our biggest criticisms of our shows are things like, did we make it too complicated? Yeah, um, did, we, did people not have a strong emotional want in the show, and thus right. were like listless? Yeah. I, I mean, on the points that we usually criticize our show, that would have been a highly successful one in that it was really clear from the top, two guys love the same girl, um, and, uh, and they didn't pull any punches, you know? Uh, one died, one went for her. They, it ended in a hap, happy ending with uh, <laughs> the corpse floating out. But, um, yeah. but that's not unusual for us, is, is to have the bloodshed there. And to, so, I mean, I think it was, it was, it was successful in that. Uh, you know, in, in doing it in a, in a smaller time frame, typically our show is a two-act, about 90-minute thing. Yeah, like an hour and a half. Um, and, you know, and people always ask, like, what happens during intermission? Uh, do you guys plan the rest? And nothing like that. We usually go back during intermission and we, we say, uh, let's recap everyone's names and, and what are people's wants? You know, we can talk about the past but not the future. So we would have said, if like... If this was, like, if this was intermission and that it all preceded it... Yeah, we, I think we would have felt really successful. We would have said, like, well, I was uh, Roberto, uh, right? Yes. Roberto, yeah, I was Roberto and uh, I wanted Amelia. Um, of course, I'm dead now. Right. Uh, but I'm the mother superior and I want... And I want more than anything else, Amelia and um, Antonio, to um, to make a real uh, a real thing of this of this marriage. Yeah, I'm Amelia. I want to make things work with Antonio, and I'm the prince, the father to Amelia. I want to get my daughter married off so that I'll have uh, heirs. And I was Alberto, and I was just following what you guys were doing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that totally successful. People say that all the time yeah. uh, backstage. No, but that's what it would have been. And. Um, and we would have been like, cool, cool, it's really simple, guys. That's typically how, how it goes during intermission. It's like, yeah, all right, everyone knows what they want. It's really simple. Go for your wants. Go for your wants, you know? Yeah, and if you get them, like, find a new one and go, f go right. for it. I mean, that could have been act one of a play for us, mm -hmm. where afterwards it would have been like, in comes the, like, swarthy rogue from Milan who's mm -hmm. like, oh, the oh, mischief. Oh, the spoil even. this. Or they go to, or Antonio has to go to war, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know what I, I love about what you guys do is, one is you talk about wants, and I don't think people talk, you know, it's an actor termino terminology, but yeah. I don't think people put that enough in improvisation. And the other thing is your emotional commitment is so high in, in, in I think improvisation lately has become very like, oh, let's see how witty and clever we can be. Yeah, it's I, what, one of the things I love most about this show is you can't really have a veil of ironic distance from yeah. the the goings on on stage. You really got to be in the thick of it and and uh, and getting out ahead of yourself emotionally and and verbally, which is so much of the fun of it. I feel, like I said before, I think we're guys who have been celebrated before uh, in different in, in comedy sports and in shows at I.O. and in, in, uh, in shows at Second City as well as being like heady 
heady, like he- being smart, heady right. performers. And and we're all guys that can pull those things off. But I do think this show really is is much more successful being a total heart thing. And then you have uh, all that like in our show on Friday night. Uh, there's clever. We, we are we are we are very often clever. I don't think we're clever at the expense of, of, of what's going on emotionally. But we had a character who was a Glover who made glove, gloves. His name was Danny the Glover. He was Danny Glover. <laughs> so I mean, for us, that's red meat in that part of our brain that is heady. We're gonna we're gonna go for the love. We're gonna go for the betrayal. We're gonna go for the ambition. But we're not going to miss the chance to work as many Danny Glover movie references in as we can. Yeah. You know? Or so if the swords are lethal weapons and all that. Well, that's exactly. where the intelligence is. Yeah, yeah and we, you know. we play that. That's one more bell and whistle, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, the, all, that, all that stuff, yeah, like you said, is a, is a bell and whistle to lay upon the, the heart of the show, which is that really strong emotional drive, on top of which all the sort of cerebral head games are taking place. We're going to ask the audience, because I'm sure they have a lot of questions uh, for you guys. Uh, if we carry, thanks for turning the lights up. Uh, uh, so we've got some time to ask a couple questions. You guys were so blown away. Yes. Do you ever think about the, where you fall in the line of playing a artistic show where you're trying to be true to the form versus entertaining an audience? You know, where's a point yeah. that is just... The audience not, is not entertained by drama. Or yeah, yeah. I well, the cool part about this show is I feel like it, you don't have to. It's not an either-or scenario. Um, my favorite shows that I've done with this group are ones that get a bunch of laughs, but have real long moments of intense silence where where just the emotions are getting played out, and I don't feel that the audience is any less engaged. And I feel that this is a cool show in that it can get a lot of really raucous, uh, hilarious response and also some really genuine audience gasps if a character dies or, or, or a loved one dies. Yeah. There, there have been shows that get really, really dark. Uh, and, and end and dark. It, and it's fine. Yeah. I, I, think, I think if you, I, in our heart of hearts, I think those of us who do this show really do feel like we're doing something that's artistic, but at the same time, um, we're so trained and we're so in love with that improv mindset that we do see that red meat and go and and, and, and we do love that laugh. We love getting those laughs. But like Ross said, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. So I feel like um, it is a show that we've done in front of audiences that are more theatrical audiences than improv savvy audiences. And that's super rewarding for us, for people to come back and be like, maybe it's their first exposure to improv and they're impressed that it was all made up on the spot, but they're also like Man, I uh, I couldn't believe this character died. I never saw that coming. And for us, that's always really rewarding. So I think we re- we love those like gasps. We I think a lot of times you do improv shows and people are like, hey, don't be afraid of silence. Don't don't worry about getting laughs all the time. And that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like we're we're a show where we that doesn't really scare us too bad. And a lot of times in those intermissions, we'll throw or after shows, we'll throw in a lot of compliments to each other that you don't hear from the audience afterwards. You hear from the audience of like. I can't believe you guys knew so many Danny Glover movies, you know? And we're like, oh, well, thanks. Oh, boy. Um, but we love, but for each other, it's always like, oh, man, when you were talking about her hair, that was such a cool image of, like, wow, that was such a cool thing you stumbled into. Kind of the nerdy poetry parts of it are things that we really do take seriously. Yeah, yeah. Picking out the imagery and, and playing cool characters. Yes. So you talked about um, the, all the wants that drive the show and, and sort of playing up the emotions. Has doing this show informed the way you do other non-genre shows? 
Probably. Yeah, I probably. Or, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, but, change, uh, or change the way you play and just sort of straight improvise. I don't think it necessarily like drastically altered it, but sort of the, the, the want philosophy of, of, the, of the Shakespeare show is only helpful in any other improv scenario that, that I feel like we found ourselves in. And yeah, if there's, if there's any sort of like secret to take away, if, like you're in a, if you're in any sort of improv show and you feel like, man, this, this scene seems to have no legs. I feel like as soon as you can be like, I want blank, I'm going to go for it, suddenly that character has a reason to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I feel it applies no matter what the, no matter what the uh, format of the show is. Yes? How will you approach a monologue you open either act with? Uh, we, we know that 99% of our shows will open with a prologue, um, and 99% of them will end with an epilogue. And uh, the epilogue is more of a cue for our lighting person. Um, uh, when we're on the road or something, that, that it's going to be. That's how you know it's over. We have started shows without that that prologue, and uh, those work fine too. We often find that it's a nice like tutorial for an audience that doesn't know what they're going to see. That it's like, oh wow, they are talking a little different. I mean, it is kind of a cool thing. Like the lights go out and then Ross comes out and is like, uh, you know, invoking the muse, and people are like, ooh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's cool. We don't know who's going to do it. Um, it wasn't going to be me tonight because I did the intro, and that's kind of be kind of weird if it's like, thank you for the title. Lights come back up. Yeah, and I wasn't going to do yeah, it because I, I did it I last did, night. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, we like to tonight. change it, yeah. Uh-huh. Change it up. It's already yeah. done it. But so. it's really, who, it's one of those things, like, in the dark, you kind of sense who's moving towards it and who's moving away, and then it's like, if Ross and I are moving towards it together, it's just kind of like a... That little negotiation of, like, you, you got it. I, I thought that Blaine always did it. Not the pro... Blaine always does the intro to the... Okay. Blaine... Blaine is never does the prologue because he's always introducing the show. Okay. Um, he could, and, okay. and he does a lot of epilogues. Um, but it's always someone other than the person who introduced the show just for the variety. And of Blaine Swain, this, this was his brainchild, right? Yeah, yeah. he's the creator. And director. it's been six, How did it start? It began. Um, Blaine did, uh, did some stuff, uh, work at IO West okay. uh, in Los Angeles, and met up with some like minded guys who were nerded out on the Shakespeare thing as much as he was in that mindset that Ross is talking about of like, hey, you know that short form game where you throw the styles on? That Shakespeare stuff is fun. Let's do it for a little bit longer. Let's do it for longer. And they kept spanning it. And he was part of a group there um, called the. The, uh, the, the Backstreet Bards? Yeah, the Backstreet Bards. <laughs> um, and, uh, that is cool. That yeah. is a really cool name. Is it just? Yeah, yeah, it's the coolest. And then. And then he moved here and uh, eventually brought it up to uh, Sharna Halpern at I.O. That he, uh, or eventually, no, started here, actually, in the Skybox. They did a run. And um, he kind of assembled from a group of guys around him and then held auditions. And then from there on, it's been like just kind of pulling people in as needed and as people have been, as he's worked with people that he liked and think thinks. Uh, and he's not going up to people and interviewing them of like, uh, what's your favorite tragedy? Tell me the plays you've read. Do some verse. He's very much like that want philosophy is very much, I mean, it's not unique it, it, it's a theatrical philosophy, you know, a theatrical um, direction. But Blaine really, that's his big thing that he really hit hard. Um, it's like, we're not succeeding if we're not, if we don't want things. And so, um, yeah, it started like, I guess the initial run was 06? Yeah. Or late 05, maybe, or something? Uh huh. Yeah. Six years we've been doing the show? Yeah. At IO? Yes. Um, could you guys say, comment on your rehearsal process? What's that like? Yeah. Especially with 15 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, there. Rehearsals kind of fall into two categories where we'll uh, do um, reps of something that uh, Blaine perceives we need to like work on in shows. Like, let's kind of do a prologue clinic and get everybody a chance to get a rep in doing a rhyming prologue. Um, 
uh, let's see. Let's let's just do some scenes. Let's do a play in miniature. Um, what is a play in miniature? Mean? Almost like what we did right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a quick. Oh, sure, play in miniature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, all like typical group bonding stuff. Like, let's get together and watch a watch a, sh a Shakespeare movie that came out recently, and then they'll fall into another category where uh, literally handing out a vocabulary quiz. Um, and we also, uh, thanks to our director's uh, loyal connections, he's getting his PhD there now. Uh, every so often, we'll meet with a couple of Loyola professors, one in the Department of Philosophy, one in the Department of Literature, and we discuss a play. Yeah, they so, give us, uh, it's really funny, because they'll give us an assignment, and it was like, it used to be, we were kind of clocking one about every month, moving through the canon, and it'll be a thing where it's like, uh, okay guys, read, uh, read Lear, and we're gonna talk about it. And I think when we first started coming in, we had a very like sophomoric, like, kind of be like, well, I thought Edgar was, uh, was really cool, you know, it was like our, our notes, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, these professors are... So yeah, Walter Benjamin said, uh, <laughs> when he read this... You're confusing the two. Like, they're, they're no, having absolutely. arguments. Right. It's like, we well, just kind of said... Folio, and we're just like, oh, oh my God. We gotta, okay, we got to really read this. At the feet of the masters. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really neat. And, it's, and, and part of that, too, which was, I think was really cool, is there's a, when we first started doing that, Blaine was like, guys, we're meeting with a guy who is a globally renowned uh, scholar on continental philosophy, as well as a Shakespeare guy. We've got to be able to chat with him, and I don't think we're up to par on uh, on on what on just the basics of philosophy and like how it applies to Shakespeare. So we did like an eight week course where we read uh, Plato's Republic, Republic. Um, because Blaine because <laughs> Blaine thought we were BSing too hard, and right. and Blaine is also a Platonist. Yeah, that's right. And he he was like, I teach this. Uh, he was able to show off a lot too, but um, yeah. but uh, but which he, is great he, at a rehearsal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what rehearsal is for. Yeah, he's that's constantly rolling yeah. it in our face. But yeah. luckily, like part part of the fun of this group is that that those fifteen guys are the sort of like guys for whom the idea of doing a rehearsal in which you do a uh, a clinic on Plato's Republic sounds like the most awesome thing yeah. ever. Like, I wouldn't read that otherwise right now. That's great. What a blessing. <laughs> I mean, and then we have like really witty things. We're like, I thought book two of the Republic was uh, pretty cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> we haven't grown up that much. But um, yeah, but we, that, that, that's a really cool way to all kind of get on the same page with, with the, with the plays and, and, and absorb more of the, more of the, more of the canon. And it's, and it's also fun uh, after we all read a play as a group to kind of see how it's imagery that we've all talked about as a group will, Kind of subconsciously start popping up in the shows that we do, that we do around that time. Well, I, I think it's really important for people to know how much work goes into this. I mean, and we were talking backstage about like the there's a business element that you you're you've branded this you know improv imp, improvised Shakespeare company, and Blaine is a a businessman, and you guys also have to work hard to to, to keep that going. I think a lot of improvisers today don't th you know have that same commitment where does that come from with you guys is it your theater backgrounds well, I feel like maybe with either of us it, it came from at some point making the leap from having a day job and doing improv to being like I'm going to make a go at just doing it full time so you don't have to do you, between Baby Wants Candy and, and, and Improv Shakespeare can you pay your rent yeah okay and various other and things. you have a child right I do Okay, we're just we're hanging on. Really? <laughs> no, and, uh, it's all that Jeopardy screw. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're still living off that fifty grand, baby. Yeah, yeah granola bars. Uh, but no, it's um, yeah. I mean, and I and my wife has a as a as a regular uh, job, um, which is helpful too. But uh, but um, yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's that 
we're doing this. We have some gigs from Baby. We all we work here as well. We do we do gigs through Second City, and you do, you just kind of look at your calendar and you fit in gigs where they can. You take the ones that take the ones you come. You make your own opportunities every now and again too. So yeah, I mean it's it's that. Yes, yeah, so we all kind of share that kind of uh, business like approach. But because when I was starting out, there wasn't th these kind of opportunities, and nobody thought about like inside an institution like I.O. having you know, uh, Cook County Social Club or you guys or TJ and Dave and right. stuff like that. I mean, people are like, you, you know, I either get hired by Second City or, or I don't make any money at it. So yeah. I think it's really, I mean, it seems like in the last decade or something that this is, this is starting to happen. Yeah, I think it is. And I, it's really impressive because when I started out uh, a decade ago, basically, uh, I felt like the, the only game, straight improv-wise, where you were getting any money was, was, was comedy sports. And that was a big appeal of comedy sports for people, too, was like, hey, you know, uh, you get paid for those shows. And it was really nice. It was, it was, it was rewarding. It was nice. It felt good. Um, yeah, I agree. And now, now I do feel like there's a lot of neat opportunities. We tour a lot with this show, and that, and that opens up cool doors, too. To, uh, to be able to do, like, have, you know, like, February, we're getting ready to go off on a tour, me, Ross, and Blaine, we're going to be gone for, like, three weeks in Florida in February. Uh, jealous much? And, um, <laughs> and that's doing, and that's, you know, that we weren't doing that uh, a year ago, or two years ago, so that, that's still building for us, too. Um, we've got to wrap it up. This has just been so much fun. I got to thank you not only for coming out here tonight and interviewing, but carrying me through that fifteen or twenty <laughs> minutes of Shakespeare. You seemed uh, like you're, you made great choices. Yeah, man. Right? Groin oil, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll never let that come oil. drop either. And we, it's, it's always like something that, weird comes out like that. That's the gift of the show. Is just like, oh my god, because we get we let ourselves get we get ahead of ourselves language wise, and we're like, and we can always be like Shakespeare made up words all the time, and he had all these things that people are still like dissecting so yeah I mean we love that kind of stuff and we always bump that around a long time we we were amazingly uh, we had a, we showed a lot of restraint I thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that and I also picked that up baby worked very much like that yeah the first thing that comes out you guys it's just like it's like a, a pile on for right. agreement you know and, yeah and you guys it's the same thing yeah and I think that's that's the that's one of those first things you learn that you also quickly unlearn, I think, in improv, is like, there are no mistakes, there are no mistakes, and then you see people being so clever that you're like, oh, I see, they're doing it right, there probably are mistakes. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what we do, is like, we are clever guys, but man, when somebody says groin oil... There's blood in the water, get yeah. at it. Yeah. And I think, too, people have been around three or four years when they first yeah. start, like, ah, agreement, really. I can kind of take what, you know, I, I can cherry pick an, an idea that's thrown out. Yeah. You know, and I think good old-fashioned agreement works all the time. Absolutely. So, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Bland, Ross Bryant, thank you so much for being here. There it is. It's another episode of Improv Nerd. And I really had a good time improvising with them and talking to them. As, as much as I was scared, I, I think I, I pulled it off. They, they carried me. I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was scared. I was terrified. Um, if you ever get to Chicago, come and check them out. They're an uh, improvised Shakespeare company, and they're on Friday nights at I.O. Theater, and they do two shows there. Or you can go to their website, which is improviseshakespeare.com. I want to thank all the good people here at Second City, and, of course, my producer, Ben Caprero. And if you want more information about Improv Nerd, go to our Facebook page, and please, please, please like us, or go to jimmycorain.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember, walk, don't run.
Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. (laughs) That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's, like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a bat. bat. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, bat. a bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my, my re- girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My, uh, my- 